three, two, one. Welcome to our Dogcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Laurel. And this is What is Dog? Is it the question or the answer? Sarah, this week we have the most adorable adoptable dog of the week. Borden is a seven-month-old walker hound. He looks a lot like a beagle when you look at the picture. He's house and kennel trained, he's fully vetted, he's very affectionate, and he's also dog friendly. He was rescued from Wakula County Animal Services, which is in Crawfordville, Florida. If you'd like to see a picture of Borden, we'll be posting a picture on our Instagram this Wednesday. Or if you're listening to us after the fact, there's a picture of him on our Instagram. Sarah, I don't think I've ever been more excited for an episode. This week we're interviewing Meg Doolittle, who's a modern-day animal communicator. This is going to be so cool. She is trained under world-renowned animal communicator and author Maya Kincaid and has worked with animals across Canada, the USA, Europe, and Asia. The nature of her work allows her to communicate with any finned, feathered, or four-legged companion using her telepathic ability. She conducts readings via phone, email, video conference, all from where she lives right now in Canada. And she resides there with her adorable dog, Rue. Aww. In her practice, she focuses on animals' overall health, happiness, and overall well-being. If that isn't enough, she's also certified in Reiki. So today we'll be talking to Meg and learning more about what she does from her. And then we'll also be asking her to do readings. The first reading we're going to ask her to do is of Laurel's dog, Peanut, who is no longer with us. And the second will be with our very own Duke, who is here in the room with us right now. Let's go talk to her. Sounds good. Meg, we have never been more excited to have a guest on. We want to start from the very beginning. Can you walk us through your background and how you got into this work? Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so thrilled um, to connect with open-hearted and open-minded people like you and your audience. And I do believe that everyone can do animal communications. And it just some of us are a little bit more tapped in than others, which actually brings me to how I came into this journey, which started um, just years ago. Um, But in reality, it was multiple lifetimes ago. So I had been running my own marketing communications business for several years. And I'd done the agency work. I'd gone inside. I was corporate. I was the head of PR for eBay. Um, and it was a wonderful role. And that, that graduated me on to um, even better things, which was running my own company and being my own boss. So you would think that that would be the end all and be all of a career. However, it wasn't. Um, I was very disappointed and I was finding myself losing um, enthusiasm and passion for my business. And um, unfortunately, you don't want to do that when you're in business, especially for yourself, because that's ultimately what drives you every day, gets you out of bed. And so all throughout my life, I'd been consulting uh, mediums and psychics. And um, I went to one. She's fabulous. She's actually recommended to me, so I never worked with her before. And it was a phone call, and she's based out of um, Nevada. And we got on the phone, and I started talking about my career, and, and she brought in. We, we work with guides. I work with guides, and this particular one works with guides as well, my guides. And the message was that I need to start working on my animal communications. Well, You would think that that made sense if you understood what an animal communicator was. At the time, I was oblivious. 
And I actually chalked it up to the fact that I was a communications professional working with pet brands. So I said, well, I'm an animal Uh communicator. And so (laughs) I I walked away and then I came back. And uh, six months later, I said, but listen, everything else you told me is fabulous. And like, you know, it feels right. It feels right in my soul and right in my heart. But there's this one piece that's just not jiving. And unfortunately, it's like the biggest piece of my day to day. And that's my work. Same message came through, an animal communicator. And then she paused. She paused the reading. She paused the session. She said, listen, do you even know what an animal communicator is? And I said, yeah, like me. Like, I, I, that's what I do for a living. I work with pet brands and animal-related organizations and uh, rescue organizations, and I do their marketing and their branding, their PR and communications. And she said, no, no, no. And she said, you're actually very gifted, and you've just um, been – been kind of stifled throughout your life. Your journey has been kind of hindered in ways where you've stuffed it away and you do have an innate ability. So the way you perceive animals and the way you connect with animals is different than most people. And she said, you haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg. So she said, I suggest you start working with someone um, and just see like what comes up. If anything, it'll be something to do on the side while you work kind of a crummy career. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll do it. So she set me up with someone uh, and the rest is kind of history. I really just had to come out of my own shell and be okay being Meg, the modern day Doolittle and not um, my former life's, my former lives, which was Megan as a, or Meg as an animal, um, an animal communicator marketing professional or Meg from eBay because like so much has changed. And this is only in the last uh, few years, but my career before that in marketing and PR was 10 years. So it's a huge shift. Yeah. yeah. And you reached such an incredible level of success in yeah. your current day today. I can see a lot of people just becoming really comfortable in that space and kind of just staying there. Whereas you took it a step further, like what actually makes you passionate? What makes that fire in your belly? And you kind of went with that. So I can I can definitely relate. I think yeah. that Sarah and I basically started this podcast also to yeah. kind of find that fire in our bellies again and do something a little bit outside of our current day today. Definitely. I feel like your story is one that anybody can relate to, right? Like you, you may major in something in college or start a career and it's what you think you want to do, but then years down the line, you find yourself doing something to be different. I mean, I've talked to so many different, like, so many different people who have gone through that kind of change. I actually started out as a high school English teacher for two years, and then I got into um, psychology and statistics and um, just industrial organizational psychology, and now we're working on a podcast. So it's like life goes <laughs> all over the place, you know? Yeah, isn't it amazing? And, and so I always believe that if you follow um, it's not always roses though. So if you're always following your heart, sometimes you'll find those things, but they're just a hobby and they stay as a hobby for a period of time. And you also work those crummy dead end jobs for a reason too. Mm-hmm. It's all timing. Um, I'm in my early thirties next week, this week coming Saturday, December 7th. I don't know when you're airing this, but I will be, I I dare I say it. I shouldn't say this. Everyone's saying like, I'm getting like, don't say it, but I'm going to say it. I'm 35 years old and I don't feel like there's such a renewed energy and a sense of vitality that runs through me when I connect with spirit, which means I'm connecting through spirit to communicate with the animals. And uh, I feel more 
vibrant and alive when I'm doing what I'm meant to do and why I'm supposed to be here. So anyone has to understand there's also an element of timing, but also continuously pursuing and researching. Things are gravitating to in life. It's not by chance. It's not a fluke. It's like there's so much, mm. so much more going on behind the scenes than we even understand. How do you typically hold readings and what is typically brought up during readings? Wow, that is a wonderful and loaded question. So <laughs> I conduct readings. Well, let me tell you how I first started doing them. I was just writing them. I was yeah. too shy. I, was, I would write because as a PR person, communications professional, we're good writers. We do a lot of writing. And uh, the shyness in me was like, no, no, no. Like I, I can't get on the phone with someone about this. And no, I could go to someone's house and do it in front of them. Um, so I did a lot of email correspondence. And actually that is translated really nicely for those people who themselves are quite personal or they have a loved one who they want to share it with that can't participate in the reading. Say the phone time didn't work. So it's like, well, you know, let's, let's do it through email. So we'll do it that way. And then it's also for people in different time zones. So you have to remember, I can do this anytime, anywhere. Distance is not an issue. And I, I am working with animals in spirit too. So clearly distance is not a problem and, and the <laughs> right. physicality is not a problem. So, um, I also work with people in China and Australia and all over the world. Like, um, basically my only restriction is that I, I only speak English. Unfortunately, this is one of those times when I wished I spoke, uh, I spoke multiple languages and my family, my sister's a linguist, uh, linguist. So she's like, speak Spanish and German and French. And I'm like, English. <laughs> so that's the only, <laughs> that's the only drawback, honestly. Um, started with email. I still offer email sessions. I also do phone and then I also do in person and I also do video like this. So if someone lives, um, the other side of the world and they want to connect, but they want the experience of seeing me cause that is still important. Um, then we can connect over FaceTime, Zoom, WhatsApp, Skype. You know, in today's day and age, there are no restrictions with doing communication. Mm, that yeah. answers my biggest question that I had for you was, I saw that you could, could do these readings via email. And I was like, but what? I thought you had to be there in person with the animal. But like you said, you're talking to a spirit, which could be anywhere, right? So Yeah, that, and that... That's a su super important to remember is that I do work with animals here as well as on the other side. So it blows people's minds when they find out I communicate with animals. And then there's like a second level of blowing their mind when they find out that I work with animals in spirit too. So it, this is really, like I said at the beginning, thank you so much for having me on because you're open-hearted and open-minded. And that is truly, people vet me, I vet them too. I have to feel people out. Um, I should actually answer the second half of your question, which was what comes up. Um, yeah. The gamut. I, um, I communicate with animals about behavioral things. Um, why are they peeing outside of the litter box? Why are they pooping outside of the litter box? Why are they chewing on the couch? Why are they chewing their paws? Why are they barking incessantly in the corner of a room and just staring there all of the time? Um, I'm not a behavioralist, um, so I can't. I can't always provide um, correction. I can ask the animal to help me 
help their owner figure out a way to remedy the situation. Sometimes it's conventional, sometimes it's entirely unconventional. Um, but on the same, in the same vein, while I'm not a behavioralist, I'm also not a veterinarian. So people will come to me and say, I think there's something wrong with my animal. Well, I say, well, you better hurry up and get them to the veterinarian then because I'm not a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. What I mm -hmm. do is I step into an animal and I'm like, you know, my mentor, my teacher is Maya Kincaid. She's based out of Sedona, Arizona. And she said something beautiful to me. And we're, we're trying to create this analogy of helping people understand that we aren't veterinarians, but we are like the caregiver or the aid that takes the ailing or not well grandmother to the doctor. And we help translate for them like where are you feeling the pain is it in your chest is it in your stomach is it in your head and we will we'll identify those target areas sometimes i will get a visualization but if i if it doesn't resonate with me in a way that i understand it then i won't convey it so the beautiful thing about communications with animals is that they will use me and my memory and everything I've experienced to date in my years of life, again, I'm not going to say my, my age, I already said that once, <laughs> but in these years up until this point, anything that they can relate to me that I can help relate to someone else, they will use. Does that make sense? It definitely does. And that kind of leads into where I was going with, you know, you get pets at all different stages of their life. You get pets at whether they're having behavioral medical issues, but you also get owners at different stages of how they're feeling. Do you have, is there, do you see any trends forming with owners that are maybe their pet just passed or are they typically at that frustration point where they need to either talk to that animal that passed or they have to figure out what's wrong with their pet? Like, do you see any trend forming with when people reach out for a reading? Yes, I do. And I love that you asked that question, but I don't think I'm going to answer it in a way that is what you expect. That's what I I'm, I'm, feel like I'm getting a message to tell you that. Um, it's that the animals bring their owners to me when they're ready. Mm. Okay. So I have in my inbox um, just recently an email from someone who was in touch with me a year ago, who asked me, uh, you know, some information, asked me a few questions, asked me for my rates. And, um, I never heard from her again. And she said, she said, you know, I never did get that email back from you, but then I realized it was sitting in my junk mail. Mm. And she said, I was so disappointed. I'm so upset. I would have loved to. And in the meantime, her cat has transitioned. And she mm. said, I would have loved to connect with my cat while it was still alive. I said, you weren't mm. supposed to. You have to believe in the divine timing and the order of things. And she said, you know, admittedly, I, was, I wasn't feeling quite sold on the idea of working with you then. But since mm -hmm. my cat transitioned, I, I am feeling such an immense sense of grief and sadness. And there's something calling to me that I needed to reach out to you. And she said, and I still didn't because I never got an email back from you. I felt a little bit slighted and I said, no. I'm so sorry. And she said, but you know, when I found that email in my junk box, I knew that wasn't, that was meant to be. I knew that was a sign and I knew that was a sign from my cat. And I said, you got it. And she said, I was going to ask you what my signs were. 
And I said, you already got it. And she was just, you know, we, we still did the, we did the, um, the session, but like, isn't it unbelievable how things work? You know, it's just yeah, divine timing is how it works. And we have to believe, and we have to understand that animals come into our lives at a certain time. It's divinely chosen. We call them soul contracts before you and I came into this, this lifetime before we were born is we decided a variety of things that were going to kind of help us along in our journey. And we chose animal yeah. companions to align with us, to teach us, maybe to heal us, maybe just just to be company, you know, maybe they're just mm -hmm. supposed to be a companion, serve no other purpose. Um, and, and that is definitely um, something we forget. We also have to remember that they choose when they leave, which is the hardest, most mm -hmm. difficult um, piece of what, the work that I do to wrap your head around. I do believe that. And I, I do believe that from a human standpoint, but when I step into, um, you know, I call it my unearthly side of tapping into spirit, I, that's, that is the same. Yeah. No, I, I can relate so much to that. And yeah. I apologize in advance if I cry during this because <laughs> my peanut, I definitely, I feel like he did kind of wait until I was totally ready and like stable and he could finally move on. So I, I totally believe that and um but we'll get into that later on anyways that's amazing and that's um sometimes it's just the osmosis of um having a conversation like this maybe maybe i haven't invited peanut in to converse yet but there is a sense of um I call it spirit. It's just the energy around us that is greeting us to say hello and you're on the right path. Even just in having this communication between us and the, creating this dialogue because there's so much expansion of the mind and awareness that is being created to hold space for all of us to kind of move forward on this path and this journey, you know, as some term it, ascension in life. Um, but we're all working in, in unison at the end of the day. So they say we're... Um, I forget the phrase or two or more um, are together. There is spirit. So it's like the sense of communion and bringing each other together for the sake of, of this. So I'm not surprised you're having like the goosebumps and you're feeling the emotions well up. I always say if, if it's going to flow, let it go because there's healing work to be done there. And that's usually 99.9% um, .9 of the time. Um, why I do a session with an animal on the other side is because the owner actually has, some grief work to do. Uh, I wouldn't say it's always closure because I don't like the word closed. I, like, I think the relationship is always open. It's just mm -hmm. moved on to a different form. Okay. They're just an energy now. They're no longer in the physical. You can't touch and feel them, but isn't that a beautiful graduation that you have to believe? Because you trusted them enough. You built up that bond and that relationship while they were here in your physical presence. And then they kind of graduate. It's like upping the ante for you to say, now do you believe? Like, did you trust me enough that I would continue on with you? Though I'm not here in your physical form. Because it's hard to believe that they've just gone. That they're gone. Poof, gone. It doesn't, it, uh, that now I'm speaking from my point of view. A lot of people right. go, no, I believe that. And I'm like, okay, well then. You're, you're a tough sell. Like, I, I mean, when we have to do a session and I've done sessions with skeptics and non-believers, but, uh, I, yeah. I don't enjoy it because then I always feel like I've got my back against the wall. Um, I've done it before. Oh, you? <laughs> <laughs> so like, I feel like, you know, as with any business like yours, there's going to be skeptics 
like you said, how do you handle when people are skeptical? What do you, what do you do? I don't, I don't do much. I mean, <laughs> depends on how I'm feeling in the moment, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't make it my business to make them a believer, but if there's a yeah. sense, like I see it like an, an open door, that's like the message I'm getting. It's like the open door. If you see like a crack in the door, there's a lot of light behind the door and they're like kind of hiding it off from me. I do believe everyone has some sort of belief system um, that I can kind of tap into, even if it's just a sliver. But if there's a little bit of curiosity and I can feel that curiosity, I can usually conduct a session. Um, now, if, if it's something that's like a, almost like a disrespect to me as a human being or, mm-hmm. you know, just those basic boundaries, if they, it's like they're going to try and impede on a basic boundary, my life, it's no go to begin with. But um, when it comes to the actual tactical work that I do, I do try to look for a little, like a little sliver that I could wedge myself into and, and read from. I have had situations where, um, you know, and it's, I'm going to say this, I don't know how many, what's your demographic like, because I say nine times out of 10, uh, clients are women, <laughs> not a lot oh, of men. Yeah. Most so, of our listeners are women. <laughs> yeah. I mean, animals, women, women, animals. I'm sure it goes I like, think it's part like 65%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always quite thrilled when I get a gentleman on the phone. I'm like, Oh, okay. But I also, <laughs> excuse me. When I work with women, I also, if they want to bring their husband into a session, I just say, just make sure that he's in alignment because we don't want his energy to kind of throw things off. Cause, and I'm yeah. not sure if that's actually some other animal communicators can work through that, but sometimes I feel like that can throw me off. Um, yeah. I do yeah. like the openness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many people that are truly black and white. They want an explanation for every single thing that happens. And it's so hard to live in that space because so much of the world is gray. I mean, there's just, there's so many, you and I can be talking and have completely different stories of how that conversation went. There's always um, different versions of everyone's experience. So just that alone, there's, I, I never believe that there's ever a black and white reason for everything. Whereas right. you may have a slightly different perspective because you're in that science world and oh, Sarah's on the science team. We work together <laughs> in the corporate world too. And Sarah's on the science team. So <laughs> I don't know. So I work in like science and statistics and stuff like that. But I also have this other side to me where it, which is completely not factual, you know, <laughs> and I love um, just, believing in the energy around me because mm-hmm. I think there's stuff that like there's stuff that's like science where it's stuff that can, can be backed up but doesn't explain how you feel mm-hmm. you know and that's something that's totally separate and it's like you you were talking about um what was the word you used earlier um I forget it was like cake or something <laughs> but it was like it's like way like just feeling the world around you right mm-hmm. and like it can't really be explained by science mm-hmm. so yeah. Well, there, and there are, there are machines out there that can read energy. So, um, when I say yeah. I work with their energy, it's, um, that'd be interesting actually to have like one of those meter machines just to see like the energy. Yeah. You see that on the, you see that on like the ghost, uh, ghost hunters and you know, the shows oh, yeah, that they have, yeah. they take in the meter and they're like, Oh, there's an energy, which actually I should actually <laughs> bring this up because it's a frequently asked question is like, do I read people as well? And it's never mm-hmm. my intention to set out to read someone the intention is to read the animal and connect with the animal. Mm-hmm. Now, if they want to share messages for their people, um, 
that is in their best and highest good. Like they're not going to talk about you didn't change the bed sheets for two weeks or three weeks or a month. <laughs> like it's, you know, I've had them say funny things, but it's not usually calling out their owner. So you don't have to get nervous about that. But I have had more and more, um, animals in spirit actually um, tell me that they're with loved ones on the other side and they'll proceed to bring them in and have them kind of describe what they look like, which is actually wow. a, a, kind of like a, an evolution or a learning for me because um, I always surprise myself and the animals are teaching me by way of me being of service to them. So I just think that's mm -hmm. really neat. So for example, I, I alluded to it earlier, but um, the animal that I just did at this session two days ago, I, I literally think it was two days ago, the dog sitting on the bed, staring into the corner. And we did actually a FaceTime and she showed me, she was this where the, this where the dog sits, face the corner. And it proceeded to describe what was a young man. Um, hmm. So he's oh. a young man that's standing in the corner and he comes with greetings. He's well-intentioned, good energy. Um, she goes, I think that's my grandfather. And I said, okay, well, just so you know, is that um, everyone has a spirit age. So even though they may have transitioned in older years, they may show up in, like in their young 30s. And she goes, she goes, well, in fact, my grandfather did pass away when he was in his 30s. And that's kind of mm. the way you're describing him is very much uh, what he looked like in terms of the photos I've seen. And she said, I'll have to ask my grandmother. And then her grandmother's still with us. And, and I said, your grandmother's um, there is a message for your grandmother. And I said, I just need to clarify that who I'm picking up on's energy is your grandmother. I said, she's always wringing her hands, like constantly wringing mm -hmm. her hands. And she's thinking about him and she's worrying about stuff. And, um, she says, yeah, my grandmother does that all the time. So then I'm picking up on, <laughs> wow. you know, people in the household, uh, loved ones in spirit. And it's not because I brought myself to it. It's because the animals brought me to it. And what yeah. I find is that I don't go asking. We can ask, but I always say, like, you can ask your question. The animal doesn't have to answer it. Or you can ask your question. The animal takes it to a whole different level and kind of goes sideways. Uh, this is their opportunity. So I don't really interrupt too much. Um, I sometimes will ask a question in different ways. But, of course, at the end of the day, if they want to bring in human spirit and I, if I can – um, understand it and the communications come. I, I'm just the messenger. It's like, right. it's not mine to decipher. It's yours to have. And, and then that's, that's kind of how it works. So that was a long winded <laughs> tangent, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Um, so I spent a lot of time on this podcast as you already probably figured out talking about peanut, who is a dog that is very special to me. He passed away about a year ago um, Peanut was with me through, I got him when I was 19 before I should have ever had any business having a dog, but I had just been through a lot in my life and felt like I needed something that was a little bit more stable. And I gave Peanut a very stable, well, yeah, but, um, but Peanut was so special to me. He was with me through, you know, really transformative years when you're 19 to when you're 27, 28, there's just so much growth that happens during that time. Um, and we did absolutely everything together. I don't think I ever left him for a second. Um, I was wondering if it's possible to try talking to him a little bit today or? Yeah, of course. Okay, so when I greet Peanut, I'm getting like uh, the jowls. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
their sense of them being really soft and gushy and like it was very malleable and like you really like to just love them up I, I just see you just being like either kiss or touch or hold or whatever like there is I and this is a sense of um wanting to convey a term of endearment to you um as something that you really it's like almost like if you could just have his head in your hand peanuts a male correct yeah okay yep. like yeah there's a sense of holding holding his head in your hands okay <laughs> so just to look at him just to like dote over him and things like that i also have a vision coming through of you laying on the floor with him um mm -hmm. i don't know if this was at what if this was a common thing you did with him or if this was something towards the end that you did with him um there was a sense of you being really close to him um I have to ask my emotions and my ego to step aside here for a second because it feels really beautiful and I almost want to cry. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a sense of being, you know, yeah, he says that you grew into him versus him growing into you, though he's, he grew quite, <laughs> quite a bit, but he yeah. says you, grew, you really grew into him. So you're almost like a spoon. It's like who is big spoon and who is little spoon was kind of always the you know, was always the question, but I do see you as being like this one. <laughs> it's really sweet. Okay. Um, now, now, is this a memory that relates to you, Laurel? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you say that, I think about, um, there's always this really sweet memory of Peanut. He was um, obsessed with my, my boyfriend. And towards the end, when he was, he was passing, um, oh my gosh, he <laughs> was constantly like smush his face on Owen's face it was the strangest thing mm -hmm. and Owen like couldn't breathe but he just let him do it because it was so mm -hmm. sweet <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and we just yeah we laid on the ground with him and we just like fed him all the treats <laughs> yeah you were a, there was a sense of you becoming very strong steady and stable and ready for his departure you were allowing him you gave him permission without even knowing you were giving him permission your heart was aching but it was a sense of like it's okay it's okay you can go now you can rest okay so there was it's it, it becomes a more of a beautiful memory some people suffer from you know, post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of, of their animal's transition. So we, you said something, and I do believe this was early in, on in our conversation here, where you said something like you'd been through a lot, but you actually came out on the other side, like really strong. And so mm -hmm. that's how he intended to leave you. He keeps bringing up, he understands that peanuts are small, um, but it was like he understands like the play on it, like that you're, you know, he's going to be quite big. But it was a sense of like, um, he's also the most humble. So the heart wasn't small, but the humility and of the heart and the ego is very small. So it's very humble animal, um, very loyal, incredibly steadfast for you. Um, and so what I, what I'm gathering from him is that you're, um what feels like a challenge for you and this feels like a challenge for you to you know expand your mind a little bit more is that this animal took up a big chunk of space in your life physically mm -hmm. okay and there's a lot of physical physicality i now I have to step outside of this and acknowledge that with any animal we we love on them like we adore them all that stuff but um yeah. there is this sense of um you need to graduate into understanding that you don't like you're going like this like you're like it's like you're grappling and you're like but i've got nothing to hold anymore like I've, but oh. I, it's hard it's hard to connect those dots for you because you're just missing that 
um, that physicality. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I welcome some of your other questions. I'm happy to, um, happy to ask Pina anything your heart desires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so emotional. Um, so throughout his life, because I was 19 and 10, no business having a dog, we had to move a lot. So I think my only question that I really want to ask him is if he was happy through an adult, because we probably moved like 15 times. I don't know I'm so upset. <laughs> um, we probably moved like 15 times. And I just want to make sure that he was happy. There was a sense of um, confusion amongst it, but it seemed like once he kind of sniffed out the garden, whether it was a garden or for like he got used to certain, like the front yard, backyard, whatever it was, once he kind of got his bearings, he was quite content. It's also once he, okay, that was a sense of his protective, like being dutiful and, and a sense of purpose and things like that and no, knowing the home and who, who was going to reside in the home. There was a sense of once he knew where he could rest um, <laughs> and, that, and where you could rest. So there's some, some pacing going on where he would just kind of, he would wait to settle. He kept waiting and he kept waiting because at some, um, some points he was thinking like, is this where I'm settling? Like he was, he was confused. Okay. Now, were you happy? I can ask him, were you happy throughout this? There was a, there was a sense of you not being with him. Did you ever go away at any point for extended period of time on him? Well, I think, yeah, I think just the nature of having a dog on your own when you're younger, it's just hard to always be with him. So we had like dog walkers through the day and. No, I feel like you went for like a period of time, like, like an extended period of time. Were you ever away from him for weeks? Um, yeah, yeah maybe a, a week here and there. Like I would bring him to my mom's house and he would stay in Maine. Yeah. He's, he's also showing me like this rubber mat which has like, I don't know if he would slip around often or like, he had like slippery paws, but there's something he's just showing me like something to help him from slipping. <laughs> so just want every, every place that we went, he, the biggest thing I had is like at every spot he had the same bed. So I, at every single home that we went to, we had the same bed that he would be in. And then he always like, he could not stand on any sort of surface. So we always had these rubber mats that we'd bring to every place. And we put him on the stairs, so like he always has rubber mats in his bed. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, yeah, showing me, then they had like a, maybe a little texture to them or something that like yeah. maybe it was a print <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, he's just acknowledging yeah, like he was showing you that he was always fine if he had his rubber mat. Well, it was very serious for him. Like he didn't feel comfortable until he had his rubber mats in his bed, <laughs> and now he wants to bring it up. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very he's very pleased with the fact that you thought about him in that capacity you know just for, for sheer magnitude and size um there were things like just getting up and down stairs that were a challenge for him um yeah he wasn't light on his feet though he did have a lot of joy in his heart which when he bounced around and played it was like whoa it's a commotion yeah. uh, it's like let's take that outside um but yeah there's there's a lot of love and gratitude coming through for you thinking about the little things Okay. And, and all his stuff. He had like a box of stuff and the stuff always went and he, he'd always be waiting to see like, where's my stuff? Where are you going to put my water bowl? Where are you going to put stuff? Like 
as soon as you got settled and he knew where you were settling, it seemingly he was able to settle a little bit more too. But there's a lot of inspecting, a lot of sniffing out the house and just checking out um, what, what does his new role look like, okay? So you are right. very much primary responsibility, but there's a sense of yeah. duty of, of the home, okay? So wherever mm-hmm. it was, and also wherever you went to sleep over, um, he was always thinking like, how long are you going to be here? So one, yeah. one thing I'm getting is that... Um, and I'm going to step outside of this and give this advice because anyone who's listening can do this with their animals at home is when you're going to leave your animals for an extended period of time is to um, let them know how many nights you're going to be gone. And if it extends mm-hmm. so you can't make it back, you know, there's a bad storm or you've decided to prolong your, your stay wherever it is for whatever reason, just let them know it's going to be a few more nights and you don't have to like ring them up and tell whoever's babysitting them. You just do it in your head. Okay. So you say, Mm -hmm. okay, a few more nights, a few more nights. Same thing if you've left them at home and you let them know where you're going and you say like, well, I think we'll be back in like three, three and a half hours. This actually helped me a lot with Rue's separation anxiety. When I'm leaving and locking the door, I'll like think to myself about how long am I going to be? And if I, Mm -hmm. if I get stuck in traffic or something keeps me away for longer, I'll let her know in my head. And this is, this is not just me doing this. Anyone can do this. We have to believe in the beauty of like connecting, um, mind to mind telepathically with, with animals, because you also give an animal a verbal cue and then all of a sudden you'll walk away. And I just posted about this on my Facebook the other day is you'll, you'll give them a verbal cue. Like you know, Sam the cat, don't jump on the counter anymore. But then you turn around and you envision them jumping on the counter because you're so worried about them jumping on the counter that you've just mm-hmm. communicated that that's okay. And so yeah. Sam the cat's back up on the counter because there's something wonderful <laughs> and delicious up there that he wants to sniff <laughs> around in. So um, that that's a piece like I've, I'm, I feel like I'm being told to tell to both of you and you go, you know, we've got Duke around wherever Duke is, but, um, (laughs) definitely, you know, definitely be doing that as well. You know, um, let them know when you're going, when you're coming, if you're gone for longer, you can, you can do it verbally, but I, I recommend starting to just do it in your mind, you know, and it's like kind of keeps off the people who are like, what are you talking about? Who are you talking to? <laughs> you know? right. has the worst separation anxiety. Yeah. Like, really bad. So, well, I was, um, I felt, I felt told to like bring that up. Like let's teach, let's have this as a little bit of a teachable moment. So I do believe that's for both of you. Yeah. And with that said, with that said, Laurel, there is a sense of more animals coming in for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get this all the time. I mean, no animal people are animal people, but I do feel like there's a sense of you preparing for a next. Okay. An X in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't believe it's, um, we can talk about this notion of reincarnation and animals coming back for us, but I do not believe that peanut, um, has made a commitment to return. Um, mm-hmm. And animals sometimes will will devise a soul contract with us on the other side. But then, Mm. so for example, if it's a horse and you had a horse on a hobby farm, but then you decide to move to the city for financial reasons and downsize, well, Mm. that soul contract with that horse is no longer because, well, you don't have the space for it anymore. So um, contracts are made to be broken, unfortunately. But if an animal does come back, they won't go to someone else. If it's a, a soul contract to reincarnate, the animal comes back, it is coming to you. They don't come in the same species necessarily. Usually they do. But when it is a species like breed specific, um, sometimes they do as well. But don't hinge on this whole physicality. And um, if it's a golden retriever, it has to be another golden retriever. Like how many times people get really like stuck? 
when they're looking for the same animal and then they're like, well, I'm having such a hard time. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, just, you're trying to be too like controlling of it. Like, just let it be yeah. Let divine order happen. That is life. And life has mm -hmm. a funny way of teaching you if you don't surrender a little bit, surrender and release is the, the phrase I use. Yeah. So yeah. Um, ask any more questions that you have, of course. Well, I think, um, I know we're running up a little bit close to time, but I know that we wanted to also, um, talk to Duke really quick and see what he's feeling. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How old is Duke right now? So Duke is two and a half. I got him as a puppy at eight weeks. I actually picked him out when he was six weeks old. There he is. Um, and um, then we went back two weeks, two weeks later and brought him home, and he's been my little nugget ever since. Um, I did all of this training myself, and he's a very good boy. Um, and he does, he has serious separation anxiety. Like, we, when we were in the car for eight hours yesterday, and he spent the entire car ride in my lap the whole time just sleeping there. Like, he has to be, I don't know if you've seen him, but he's climbing on me even now. And yeah sorry I don't mean to interrupt you I already have some messages coming through for you but there's a sense of um, when you give a lot of um, you give him a lot of love but he you're trying to give him what you think he requires but he doesn't actually need all that he needs a little bit of like no you're okay you're okay right now like um, almost like some extra reassurance that everything is just fine. Okay. Um, I do see him. He's not always sleeping. He's almost like got his eyes half open and you're like, why are like, are you actually resting? You're watching me like every step I make. Like you're like, I just want to leave the room. And it's like, uh, but I also see his eyes looking up at you because he does want to make more eye contact with you. So um, I do believe it's a beautiful thing in terms of the bond you've created through doing your own training with him. Uh, it has really helped. It's, it's a help, but it's a little bit of a hindrance because you've become just as bonded to him as he has to you. So we talk about this notion of tough love versus tender love. And I would say like, I'm getting the, the tender love is up here and the tough love is kind of like, Oh, you're feeling, you know, that, and, and we do have to understand that animals have personalities and some of them are cheeky and some of them are entirely truthful. And that's why I call in the higher aspects of an animal when I want to be a hundred percent sure. Um, but for him, it's a sense of, um, there's a little bit of manipulation going on there. Okay. Cause he knows how to get to you and you're almost like, Oh, I'll take it anyways. Like, just give it to me. Like, we'll, we'll work through it. Like, you're, he's also saying you're a very good problem solver. You're very, um, um, you're very methodical. Like you're an A type. So he's also like, <laughs> she'll figure it out. Like she's going to figure it out. It's just a matter of like going through it. So to find the ease and flow through that relationship is going to be your best friend versus feeling, um, stressed out about it. Okay. So you're going to find this like, um, grace through this relationship with Duke because he's going to bring up all kinds of emotions in you and you, you already feel them all the time anyways. And this, these are the toughest years I'm getting. You're going to find there's a plateau. You're going to give okay. him more reassurance that everything is fine. Um, but it's not going to come. I'm going to say, I'm going to say in the next two years, so he's like, he's saying double, double it up. So he's two right now. So let's say another two years, four years old. Um, there is a sense of like calming down. Okay. okay. He doesn't, he doesn't need any medication. He does need more eye contact though. He need like, okay. 
like look at me look at me look at me all the time yeah okay. yeah that's I think I spend so much time on my computer or on my phone mm-hmm. and then that's when he starts climbing on me I feel like maybe that's what he's looking for when he's doing because mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why he's always trying to climb on me like even mm-hmm. when I'm just like sitting on my laptop you know that's that's when he's looking for the reassurance okay so he does want your attention that's a bit of the manipulation of like I'll just take what I want when I want it and you're gonna give it to mm-hmm. me so there's also a sense of um I guess if you could keep like a, a jar of treats, uh, obviously you don't want him to know that they're always there because then he's always going to kind of come bug you <laughs> for it. But practice sometimes when he's maybe don't let him sit in your lap, but make him sit and then just hold the treat to your nose and get him to watch you and make eye contact. He's like, okay, good. So that there's a, there's more of a job being done versus his job being to smother you and to always be like in your face. Okay. He knows he's a good looking dog. He's, he's very about, um, like you must, I must, you must dote over him that way. You must give him a lot of like, <laughs> you're so handsome. And like, I, you know, yeah. when he's saying that I even said it when I first saw him, I was like, Oh, he's so handsome. And it's like, oh. they know they don't. And there's a sense of like, you know, when we, we brought in the energy of peanut, there's a sense of humility and like, less ego. Duke's got more of the more ego. Like, I know I'm so good looking, um, which can be like, but he's also so like goofy and like funny that, you know, he's, he is just who he is. So he's very, he's very sure of who he is. He just wants to make sure that other animals understand that he, he means well. So if there's like, kind of like, um, like, I don't know if there's friction between him and other dogs sometimes. It's just like, yep. Yep, it's just like he feels misunderstood. Well, and I get this a lot. I actually get this a lot where, um, the animals, they come in in a way that is too much energy for other dogs or or other animals. Usually it's a dog thing. It's a canine species thing where they come in too intense and the other animal doesn't know how to make sense of it. And so the other animal gets their back up. So there's a misunderstanding between the energy and then it's also an intensity of the eyes. So when Duke gets intense in the eyes and the look on his face, it's a very like squared, like squaring at you, eye contact. Does this resonate? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other animal will go like, what the heck? Like, I just wanted to get, I just want to play. And he's like, well, I want to play too. But then there's a misunderstanding of energy, which Duke's original intention was not to have friction. Okay. But the right. other animal, he just didn't, his self-awareness is just off. Like he's just not a self-aware dog. Okay. And then he's like, and then he's really like, it's a little bit of an insecurity. So he knows he's good looking. He knows he's handsome, but then there's like this insecurity with the energy. And so he's also looking to you for all kinds of the, the lovey dovey reassurance versus the you're okay. You can do this. Like I'm right here. You're right here. I'm right. going to do my work and you're just going to sit there be, and good, be a good boy and do like a couple of treats, watch, calm down those nerves of being like frantic and then, and then mm-hmm. move on. Okay. Okay. I'm going to step okay. outside of that energy for a sec. It's a lot. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then it's like all this information is coming. So that's kind of a sample of what it's like is equate it to turning on like tuning in the radio station, the radio dial. So you're always communicating with them, but maybe you're just like off a couple decimal points, but then we tune in right to the square on to the right channel. And so things flow through. So I try to keep up with them as much as 
they'll let me, right? If they give me a second to breathe, I'll breathe and I'll welcome in more questions. But otherwise I'm like, okay, like, sorry, you didn't get a word in edgewise, but I hope that resonated. <laughs> yeah, that was really great. That makes a lot of sense. This has been unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you so much for everything and for taking the time to sit down and talk with us a little bit more. Um, the beauty of your business is that anyone listening can become a client, which is amazing. I suggest it for anyone listening. If people are interested in learning more about their pets or um, talking to you, what is the best way that they can get in touch? That's a great question. So they can go to modern day Doolittle, um, Doolittle with one O uh, dot com. Um, you can also reach me on Instagram, modern day underscore Doolittle. Um, and Facebook, Modern Day Doolittle. And I'm right now, um, I'm doing some holiday contesting giveaways um, on yeah. my Facebook and Instagram. So if you follow both and you enter on both sites, then you have two chances to win. So, and I do that all the time. Um, I do a pay what you can once a month for those that are financially don't have the means to do it. Um, November's kind of got washed out because I'm doing a bigger contest right now that runs into December, but that'll start up again in January. And you find out about that way through my Instagram stories. So it's not widely promoted. It's just a random day in the month that I choose. And I only choose a few people. They go into a lottery and then we select from there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Meg. This has been incredible. Yeah, I'd be crying. It was amazing. I'm definitely yeah. going to be all eye contact with Duke now. <laughs> it's my pleasure. And thanks, Duke, and thank you to Peanut. Get in touch with us by emailing dogcasters at whatisdog.com or follow us on Instagram at whatisdogcast. We also have a blog on www.whatisdog.com. Please also leave us a five-star rating and tell your friends about us. This episode was written and produced by Laura White at What is Dog.